0: M.
1: S. W. Media. I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. The rule of law is not just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated alike. That there not be one rule for Democrats and another for Republicans, one rule for the powerful, another for the powerless, one rule for the rich, and another for the poor, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity to serve as attorney general at this critical time is a calling i am honored and eager to answer
0: so yeah now it's clean up on aisle 45 time and for a long while yet
1: it is going to be clean up on aisle 45.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 101 of Clean Up on Aisle 45. (laughs) It is Wednesday, December 21st. Christmas is coming, and so are the criminal referrals. I am your co-host, Allison Gill. With me, as always, real-life lawyer, real-life friend, true, true friend, Andrew Torres.
2: Ah, thank you so much. Happy holidays to you, and um, happy holidays to all of our listeners who got uh, this Monday the uh, final public report report and uh, hearing of the January 6th committee before they are, you know, forcibly dissolved at the end (laughs) of the year. Uh, My present came early because although all of the documents that are uh, going to be released that are capable of, of doing so right, that is, you know, do not contain uh, otherwise, uh, you know, privileged information or, uh, you know, information that should not otherwise be made public. Um, we got the 154-page executive summary of the January 6th committee report. So, you yeah. mean the
0: attorney general didn't stop the executive
2: summary of the report from yeah. being released, and oh. and it, and issue a summary with the words "not" uh, added in front of its key findings? <laughs> no, it's uh, it's just sort of weird the way we uh, are living in that uh, universe now. Hey, I, I have to say, uh, pursuant to that, since. Bill Barr is one of the people that the January Sixth Committee calls out for testifying truthfully before it. Uh, I, I thought by far the the most, you know, kind of a duh moment, but interesting juxtaposition. And we're going to talk a lot about this, but but this is just trivia. Um, is on uh, starting on page one oh one. How's that for coincidence? Uh, of the mm-hmm. executive summary, uh, <laughs> under the rather understated i mean british in its understatement of uh headline of select committee witnesses were almost entirely republican and by almost entirely republican they mean it is three pages of republicans and then under democrats it says jocelyn benson (laughs) (laughs) and it just goes to show you you know like as ridiculous as trump you know uh, Bob Mueller and his angry Democrats, uh, uh were, I, like this is literally like 90 to one Republican, right? These are yeah, all Republican. And,
0: and congratulations to Jocelyn Benson yeah. for being the only Democrat, <laughs> right. uh, named as a witness in Kept this us report. from being
2: shut out, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of names, I think that before we get going here, mm. we should give a shout out to our hall of famers for Christmas. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. People who've been with us all year long. All right,
0: I'll get it going with Patty B, Chris Waltrip, January twenty, baby. Me too. Woo woo. <laughs> Charles Jones, Greg Kreimer, David in Brooklyn. Hi, David. Lance Buckley, dude. A dinosaur roar. Uh, at Atomic Penguin Seven on Twitter's Patreon name has been scrubbed due to a scheduled Patreon donation as per USSS protocol. <laughs> And Jessica Odebeer.
2: And a big thank you to coming to the stage at 7 p.m. It's Glorified Bush. I continue to be a patron for the shout out to Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Insert witty name here. My all-time favorite Patreon name. I'm Fast at Sex. <laughs> that sounds so good. Seriously, though, live show in Minneapolis. Backdropbooks.com wants Andrew and AG to post pictures of their bookshelves so we can discover what weird things they've read. John Eastman hate watching from a sock puppet account. <laughs> Andrew Philpott and our top supporters. These two are neck and neck, Allison. An extra special holiday thanks to Mitchell and our number one fan, Chris Simpson. Thank you all so much. These are the folks who have signed up over patreon.com slash aisle 45 S aisle 4 They're in the top two tiers. They've been supporting us from the beginning with, uh, you know, generous amounts per month. And uh, uh, we love you. We couldn't do the show without you. Thank you so much for your support.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. I second all of that. do we do we have a motion on is? Yeah. It, can we vote uh, unanimous? I consent? call
2: I call for a uh, recorded vote.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. That's fine. And I think we just gave you one. Uh, but uh, thank you so much, seriously. Uh, we appreciate you. I, again, the show wouldn't be possible without you. And without further ado, today, historic day in the United States, we have had, a congressional committee make criminal referrals to the Department of Justice for a former president of the United States, and I think that because of you know boiling frog syndrome, we've been so steeped in this for so long, sometimes we can kind of miss the uh, historical nature of this event, yeah. of today's events. Um, a bipartisan committee, by unanimous consent and then a recorded vote, have voted. To criminally refer a former president to the Department of Justice, and that is absolutely huge. It's monumental. It is nothing I could have ever dreamed of when I was sitting down in lockdown in 2020, feeling a little hopeless about everything. <laughs> uh, but the day is here, and uh, I am, I'm, I'm sort of reveling in it, but also kind of sitting in the seriousness uh, and the weight of the moment. Uh, but I, you know, that uh, doesn't take away from my determination to break it down into its tiniest parts and discuss it in detail with you, my friend.
2: I was, I'm so happy that we're recording today, uh, immediately afterwards. Um, obviously as we get a chance to go through more of the material that comes out on our respective shows, we'll, you know, go into more depth. I, I, I already think I know what I want to do for, uh, for Friday, for OA, uh, but, um, but no, we get to, we get to actually sort of, uh, if not break the news, be among the first to really talk about it in, uh, in some serious depth. So um, what was referred out?
0: Yeah. Well, let's see. First of all, I was a little surprised by a one thousand and one charge, uh, a one one thousand one slash three seventy one, a conspiracy, right to lie in, in, with, and this is uh, has to do with the fraudulent elector scheme. And I noticed, and you can tell the little words. Remember, all like back a year ago, when, and then well, maybe not a year ago, but like nine months ago, when Liz Cheney is like, you know, you impeded or obstructed an official <laughs> proceeding, and I'm like, that sounds vaguely like 18 U.S. Code 1512 C two. And uh, but you could tell those little hints, and and one of them came from Raskin, uh, or maybe it was uh, Adam Schiff today when he said, uh, you know, sent these fraudulent certificates to a f- you know, officers, federal officers uh, officers of the federal government or something, you know, something very pointed and and uh, sounded very legal. And I think that that has to do with the three seventy one one thousand one charge. Uh, we also had, of course, what we were expecting, 371 and 1512 C2, which we've been talking about for a while, which Judge Carter put in his order about Eastman and Trump, which is conspiracy to defraud the U.S. and obstructing official proceeding, uh, respectively. And then they added insurrection. And and I think what they were meaning was the aiding and abetting part um, or inciting a, a, as well. And there was a little additional evidence they introduced today to sort of back up that charge. So let me just really quick read to you these referrals mm-hmm. for insurrection Trump for conspiracy to defraud the United States 371 Trump Eastman Clark Meadows Rudy and Cheesebro. I was wondering if he was going to make an appearance today. Here's the conspiracy to make false statements, the 371-1001. And and Andrew, I'll ask you to explain how that 371 kicker makes it a conspiracy. Um, and that's uh, Trump, Eastman, and Cheesebro. And then obstructing an official proceeding, Trump, Clark, Eastman, and Cheesebro. So those are the criminal referrals. We also had four congressional representatives being referred for to the to the House Ethics Committee for possible sanctions or investigation, uh, and I have some questions about that, including who is going to be the chair of the House Ethics Committee <laughs> when this hits the House Ethics Committee, and also why um, this committee, which has been critical of the Department of Justice for being timid quote unquote, why they wouldn't make criminal referrals, uh, uh, you know, for their congressional pals. So. Those are the uh, some of the referrals that we have today at least the main ones those are the top line ones but there there were others
2: yes and in the released executive summary the 156 page document that we talked about it lists this begins at around page 78 not only the evidence for the referrals that you have discussed uh, but also additional evidence that are uh, relevant to potential DOJ investigations. And the, the most interesting, I think, with respect to that, uh, come on page 86. This is subsection six. The committee's concerns regarding possible obstruction of its investigation. So this is not a formal referral out for any one person. Uh, but the one sex committee notes. The committee has substantial concerns regarding potential efforts to obstruct its investigation, including by certain counsel, some paid by groups connected to the former president, who may have advised clients to provide false or misleading testimony to the committee. We know what that is, right? Those are White House employees for whom the president, the president's campaign directly or indirectly through various subsidiary organizations. Uh paying their counsel and those lawyers encouraging rather creative answers on behalf of their clients.
0: And a great example of that is Passantino, who was representing Cassidy Hutchinson and was being paid by the Save America PAC, and she wasn't being very forthcoming. And then she realized maybe he's not acting in my best interest as he is supposed to, but perhaps he is acting in the best interest of Donald Trump. And so she nixed him as her lawyer, got a different lawyer, and then came and did the testimony that we now uh, have come to know as a, as a very full throated and cooperative testimony. Yeah. Uh, So Passantino also, interestingly enough, is a name on the list uh, of, in that subpoena that was sent out to 876 million people by the special counsel this past, (laughs) uh, these past couple of few months, actually in the fraudulent elector scheme, Passantino's on there. Any communications you had with this guy, Passantino. So he also might be wrapped up himself in, in the one six, uh, yep. a fraud and elector scheme or that could be part of an obstruction of justice investigation by the special counsel which he is charged with investigating also so we don't really know the details of that yet but yeah the uh, the way that the the way that it seems to be worded there in the executive summary is that it wasn't just one
2: yeah that that's right and here's What else we know about that? So continuing at that paragraph, such actions could violate 18 U.S.C. 1505 or 1512. Right. The committee is aware that both the Department of Justice and the Fulton County District Attorney's Office have already obtained information relevant to these matters, including from the committee directly. We urge the DOJ to examine the facts to discern whether prosecution is warranted. The committee's broad concerns regarding obstruction and witness credibility are addressed in the executive summary to its report. And then if you continue down uh, to page 91, uh, where they are talking about the credibility of witnesses, um, they Talk about how, you know, Mark Meadows uh, shafted them, how Bannon chose not to cooperate with the committee and, you know, (laughs) fucked around and found out. And, And after that, everybody played ball except Navarro, who... Uh, is currently awaiting his criminal trial.
0: That trial begins January 30th, by the way. Amit yep. Meta put it off another 20 days, but presumably because he's dealing with, I don't know, some other, uh, you know, trials. He's, he's got a little <laughs> bit on his
2: plate right now. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not laziness. Uh, and then we have, bottom of page 93, the select committee has also received a range of evidence suggesting specific efforts to obstruct the committee's investigation. So this is piggybacking on the the paragraph that I just read to you. Much of this is already known by the DOJ and by other prosecutorial authorities. We've mentioned they specifically mentioned Fannie Willis's special purpose grand jury in Fulton County. Among the concerns are then a bunch of bullet points. And and, and these, I believe, all come from Cassidy Hutchinson, although she's not named. Uh, but things like The lawyer, and again, you know, we think we know who that is, instructed the client about a particular issue that would cast a bad light on President Trump. Quote, no, 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 no. We don't want to go there. We don't want to talk about the het. The lawyer refused directions from the client not to share her testimony before the committee with other lawyers representing other witnesses. The lawyer shared such information over the client's objection. Um, That's the kind of thing that gets you disbarred. That's uh that's super bad. Um, the lawyer did not disclose who was paying for the lawyer's representation of the client, despite questions from the client seeking that information and told her, we're not telling quote, we're not telling people where funding is coming from right now. End of quote. So all of that is a way of saying, uh, you know, you and I were talking about this immediately before going on the air. No referrals for obstruction of justice in this particular hearing, uh, but uh, the the ball is rolling downhill and gathering snow. Uh, and that that speak. response
0: just reminds me of uh, that that moment in Aaron Brockovich where the lady says, "Well, the doctor said one thing doesn't have anything to do with the other," and she goes, "Yeah, but PG and E paid for that doctor." So, <laughs> right. like that's sort of where I'm coming. Like that's in my head right now. Uh, And and, uh, PG&E did have to pay a little money to that family. Um, So it's it's interesting, uh, and it will be interesting to see what Jack Smith does with this, because presumably— this is all under his purview now.
2: Yeah, at, explicitly under the uh, grant of authority that we discussed when Jack Smith was appointed special counsel. So I know I will be listening to, among other things, the Jack podcast, starring <laughs> you and I don't know some other nobody, some uh, dude. Yeah, well, you know, not used me. to
0: work. Used to be a cop or something. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um I have, yeah, so I have no
2: envy about it. It's it's fine. It's we Let
0: go. me ask you some questions about okay. some of these statutes. because you and
2: I have You could go ask
0: him talked... the cave. <laughs> 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 All my Andrews yeah, are right. being crum- <laughs> <laughs> um, because we have already talked to death about 1512 C2 and 371. Yep. But let me ask you about the uh the 371 1001 and I'd also like to ask you about insurrection. And let's let's start with insurrection because Ryan Goodman on Twitter says that there were the new Hope Hicks testimony today uh, is is what could be used as evidence to prove by the Department of Justice to prove an insurrection charge. Uh, and I was wondering what you thought about Hope Hicks's testimony and whether you think it's enough or it I mean, maybe maybe Ryan Goodman, uh, I would have to look at it again. maybe this could be part of a body of evidence to prove insurrection, and you might need more. What do you think about hope Hicks's new testimony? What was it, and how does it? Help help approve insurrection.
2: Yeah. Ton of stuff there that I want to unpack. I want to start by clarifying for our listeners, because we have talked about the charges against uh, Kelly Meggs, Joseph Biggs. Uh, The leaders of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, uh, the conviction of Stuart Rhodes for seditious conspiracy. That is 18 U.S.C. 2384. That is literally the next entry, right, in 18 U.S.A. This is 2383. and, And again, the title is Rebellion or Insurrection. And here's the difference. Okay, so Stuart Rhodes convicted of. 18 U.S.C. 2384 seditious conspiracy. If two or more persons conspire to overthrow, put down or destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them or oppose by force the authority thereof or, or by force to prevent, hinder or delay the execution of any law of the United States, then they shall be fined or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. Okay. And you and I have said all along that the key difficulty in charging President Trump under this section is the to oppose by force the authority thereof or by force to prevent, hinder or delay the execution of any law of the United States, because the evidence that Donald Trump conspired by force to do that is really not great. OK, now that that is not to suggest that, you know, we're we're being idiots and we're saying like, yeah, no, I just thought Donald Trump was, you know, when he said it's going to be wild on January 6th, you know, like girls gone wild. Like, We're not idiots, right? Like we know what he meant by that. But in a court of law, you are required to prove all of those elements beyond a reasonable doubt. And I would never (laughs) represent Donald Trump, but if I were Trump's criminal defense lawyer, on this charge, I would look at the jury and say, You must have no reasonable doubt there must be no other thing that Donald Trump could have meant when he said come out we'll be wild for you to convict on this on this guy and if you think it's possible that we'll be wild could could mean bring your gun but could also mean hey for the first time in history we're here to protest uh you know peacefully protest the elector count right like it just it there was never a smoking gun that was Trump. Two roads saying, hey, come out here and bring your guns and we'll make this happen. And so the the one six commit now, whether that evidence, I think that evidence exists. Uh, I think Roger Stone likely has it. We're not yeah. foreclosed mm-hmm. on the president, the, the former president eventually being charged with that. But or I a,
0: a Meadows Trump connection to the Willard, for example, yep.
2: all of that. But from what we've seen. We do not have that smoking gun. And so, therefore, I was not surprised that seditious conspiracy was not one of the charges referred out today. That's kind of a long setup for what was referred out was the immediately prior section 2383. Whoever incites, sets on foot, assists or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof or gives aid or comfort thereto. Shall be fined under this title or in prison not more than 10 years or both. And so now you break that down um, and that this is, I think, in light of the convictions of folks like Stuart Rhodes, right, that there actually was an insurrection going on, right, uh, becomes easier to charge. Now, again, this is not the kind of criminal statute that is charged very often. Um, I I have not yet had a chance to do so, but the tentative plan for Friday's OA is I'm going to read all the 2383 cases and tell you how this, you know, these sorts of cases get made. Um, But I don't think that we're looking at uh, a particularly difficult burden of proof, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, this is not the kind of thing that gets charged very often uh, because you, you, you really have to show two things, right? You have to show that uh, there was a rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof. And I think you can rest on the hundreds of convictions uh, in connection with the one six insurrectionists to say, yeah, there was this gigantic mess that was going on. Uh, and then um, the question then becomes, did the, the president of the United States give aid or comfort to the people who participated in that? And as the one six committee notes, um, this does not require uh, a specific agreement between Trump and the rioters. Right. Uh, In order to establish that you've given aid or comfort, I can support you without us having to even tacitly agree that I'm going to get something out of it. I can just be like, yep, I'm with Allison and her rebellion. And here's how I support that, even if you and I never talk. Right. The president now I'm quoting from page 83 need only have incited assisted or aided and comforted those engaged in violence or other lawless activity in an effort to prevent the peaceful transition of the presidency under our constitution and Um,
0: how did they say he did that so
2: as explained throughout this report president trump was directly responsible for summoning what became a violent mob to washington right and again notice the way they say that he was responsible for summoning the mob that's not something that hypothetical trump defense lawyer can really contest right you you can't go back and undo the hey everybody come on out on one six we'll be wild You, you can dispute that he thought or knew in advance that it was going to be violent uh you can't dispute that uh that he summoned the mob and then the question becomes and this is this is i think just really really smart um what happened As he became unavoidably aware that the mob was turning violent. So one six committee says during the ensuing riot, the president refused to condemn the violence or encourage the crowd to disperse despite repeated pleas from his staff and family that he do so. The committee has evidence from multiple sources establishing these facts. And that goes to your hope Hicks question. One of the things that we saw today for the first time was a text message from Hogan Gidley, uh, Republican doofus and staffer, uh, (laughs) to Hope Hicks saying, um, any chance that you can get the president to say that people should be nonviolent out here? And non is in capitals. And Hope Hicks writes back and says, hey, man, I'm I'm trying, uh, but the president doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And Um, this was pre-January 6th. Yeah. Um,
0: indicating that people at least around Trump knew that there could be violence.
2: Well, uh, let me read it directly. Hicks texted Trump campaign spokesperson Hogan Gidley in the midst of the violence, explaining that she had, quote, suggested several times on the preceding days that Trump publicly state that January 6th must remain peaceful and that he had refused her advice to do so. Her recollection... Was that Hirschman earlier advised President Trump to make a preemptive public statement in advance of January 6th calling for no violence that day and no such statement was made. So, again, notice that that's a different level of proof than would be required to say Trump planned out the violence. Right. Because. All right. Maybe you think that they've got a knockdown case that Trump planned out the violence. Then. You should be twice as on board with the 2383, right? Because if you are sort of looking at it from a skeptical lawyer point of view, uh, you know, you might express those doubts that I did before. Then you back up and go, all right. Yeah, I'm not saying Trump planned violence. I'm saying Trump knew there was violence going on and he fanned the flames. He did at at worst. At best, he did nothing. And at most, he encouraged it to continue.
0: Do we have any. Uh, case history of any statute that's that's about aiding and abetting mm-hmm. where neglecting to stop it is considered aiding and abetting.
2: Yeah, a- a- abso- that it's a that's a great question. Absolutely there is no act omission distinction when you talk about aiding and abetting, right? Failing to do a thing that you are required to do is the same as doing a thing that you know, affirmatively helps. Right. And so, you know, uh, we have uh, abundant evidence in case law of things like, yeah, I you uh, pull over so that the getaway car has a clean path in front of you. Right. Well, you know, you weren't driving the getaway car. Right. That's why you're not a co-conspirator. But did you absolutely you know, if you knew right uh, that, that what you were doing was allowing the getaway car behind you to get away right (laughs) Right. you know it's that's sort of hard to uh to argue that 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 is uh an omission and yes
0: yeah because i think a lot of people have it in their head that aiding abetting is a is a is a positive act it's a it's a something you have to do like hide them in your house or you know uh, push them toward the capital or Give them guns or, you know, like some sort of uh, instead of just like instead of uh, a, a passive act, it has to be like something that's more active. So, I, you know, I, that's why I was kind of wondering, you know, that the DOJ has a long history of proving, uh, you know, omission of something you're supposed to do as being able to be considered aiding and abetting.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, this occurs in the bribery and official misconduct uh, kinds of cases as well. Like it is well established that, um, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars in exchange for you not indicting me, right, is that's a that's as clear cut a case of bribery as you can get. Right. Well, yeah, (laughs) um, it is. It is equally clear cut as I'm going to give you a million dollars and I want you to pass this bill. Right. That then becomes an official act. And that act is an act of declining to prosecute someone who you would otherwise have prosecuted or otherwise may have prosecuted. Right. Mm-hmm. And that then makes relevant something that, you know, you and I, I, at least I thought was a little bit of a distraction, uh, during the summer months of testimony, uh, uh during the public January 6th hearings. And that was the continued evidence of, uh, you know, failure to call out the National Guard, failure to follow up with the Capitol Police. And I'm sitting there thinking like, OK, I don't really see how that fits in with, uh, you know, a, a seditious conspiracy charge. And the answer is, yeah, because they weren't thinking of it as seditious conspiracy. The answer is they were thinking of it as insurrection. And and so I love, um, you know, we're going to move to the 1512C charge. But uh, but 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 I want to say this. For those of you who have, you know, continued to be on, uh, you know, team pessimist or, you know, who are with me sometimes in decrying chicken shit prosecutors and the like, um, that th- this is including this referral is a sign that the January 6th committee is saying to the DOJ, you know, be, be bold in this. Right. Don't 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 just take the low hanging fruit, uh, but we think that there is sufficient evidence that. You should bring the kind of charge that will describe for future generations what this guy did, right? Which was to give aid or comfort to people trying to overthrow the lawfully elected president of the United States. And I'm proud of that.
0: One final question before we go to break about insurrection, Hmm. because it seems like a defense. And I'm just thinking of this through in my head if I were some sort of crappy parking ticket lawyer. Uh, my defense might be none of the people who attacked the capital were charged with insurrection. So how can the leader be charged with insurrection? Is there any kind of thing there? Is there any kind of defense there? Um, because, I mean, honestly, what it seems to me is that the insurrection charge is for the person who incites it, aids it, or abets it, not who does it. Is that am I am I along the am I on the right track there?
2: Yeah, I th- I think that's right, and and I would just go to the plain words of of the statute, which says engages in any rebellion or insurrection against right. So that's either rebel or insurrect right against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof right. So that's what you need as the predicate finding, or gives aid or comfort to anyone who is doing any of those things. And so, I I, I think to argue that you know the one six insurrection was a gaggle of tourists, I I think is just or not,
0: to argue that seditious yeah. conspiracy is not insurrection, I yeah. think would be a uh, uh, right. it would be it will be an argument they make if that charge comes up. I hundred percent guarantee it. But I was just interested in yeah, in that no,
2: I am I am not. Uh, I, I would not be overly concerned about that argument being made.
0: OK. All right, cool. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, 371-1001, which was the little bit of a surprise uh, that was tacked onto these referrals. But we're going to take a quick break first. So everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, cleanup listeners, we want
1: to. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns and Money will be vaporized available everywhere starting october 29th or get it ad free and early starting october 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com there you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content subscribe now
0: take a minute to tell you about future hindsight a podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for everyday people like you and me They think about what you can do beyond voting, short of running for office. Turns out there are a ton of possibilities. On Future Hindsight, host Mila Atmos has compelling conversations with public servants, activists, journalists, and more. Together, they tell the story of your power and agency in the future of this American experiment. You'll always get a dose of hope and inspiration on how you can get involved. Future Hindsight is a weekly podcast. You can listen on your favorite app or on futurehindsight.com. So listen and subscribe wherever you get your shows.
4: Hi there, Diana Erickson here, host of the podcast, One Sweet Dream, which is a podcast that shines new light on the Beatles, illuminating their story in ways not seen before. This podcast does deep storytelling to get to radical new ideas and insights that transform our understanding of their story. We've always known the Beatles story was exciting and epic, but there is an even bigger, better, sexier, and more beautiful story that's been hiding in plain sight. And that's what I want to share with you. Historians say that it takes about 50 years to tell the story of an event properly. And so here we are, a little over 50 years later, and have I got a great story to tell. So I hope you'll join us at One Sweet Dream Podcast, where we explore the dream that was and is the Beatles. Episodes will be released every Tuesday and Friday, so please subscribe to One Sweet Dream wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Everybody, welcome back, Andrew. Uh, let's move on here to 371-1001, because yep. my question here is, I noticed that they used the word conspiracy to 1001. And I think you can almost have a conspiracy to do most stuff in, in Title 18 uh, by kicking, uh, put it on a three a 371 kicker, I'll call it. Uh, is that how the 371 statute works? I mean, or is it just for certain uh, statutes under Title 18 or maybe even under uh, under other titles? Because it feels like you would get a 1001 charge and then a conspiracy charge. And, and how does that sort of pan out in sentencing?
2: Yeah, great question. 371 says if two or more persons conspire to commit any offense against the United States. Right? Or to defraud the United States or any agency thereof, blah, blah, blah. So,
0: But you the, don't have to have a kicker. It can just be conspiracy to defraud the United it, States. It, it,
2: it, it, that, that is correct. But, but it's the first part that is, uh, and it's sort of the, the opposite of a kicker, right? It's the underlying. I was trying to think of what, what counts as the opposite of a kicker, and I couldn't come up with a good football reference in time. I'm like, it's not the punter, because they're very similar. It's the
0: blocker. Yeah, <laughs>
2: right? in the center. Um, uh, So... Then the question becomes, what is that underlying offense? And so here they are saying Trump and Eastman conspired to uh, break a law, right, to commit any offense against the uh, the United States. What was that offense? That offense was 18 U.S.C. One thousand and one. And what were those false statements that was submitting the false slate of electors? Uh, to the various state legislatures and around the country. Um, yeah,
0: and-, and and I thought it was interesting that that they pointed that out. They said not only did they put together these fake uh, slates, they submitted them to officials, United States officials in the National Archives, right, yep. and co- and Congress. They tried to give it to Congress too. So, all of that sort of wraps up into 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 this
2: conspiracy. Yep that that that's exactly right. And so notice. We have been familiar with 18 U.S.C. 1001 in the context of, for example, the Mueller investigation, right? That is or even, you know, in a bullshit man, in a way, in the Durham investigation. The The, the idea is that you bring a witness in for questioning and then when that witness lies to you, they have now Made, you know, falsified, concealed or covered up by any trick scheme or device, a material fact. And that was why, for example, in the Durham prosecution, it became a a critical aspect of what became a not guilty verdict as to whether it was a material fact uh, that, you know, Christopher Steele was. Uh, you know that the, the steel dossier was initially engaged as opposition research or you know all of that stuff and and ultimately part of what led uh, that jury to acquit was the idea of like that the the case that the DOj put on, which was, Yeah, we we did not notwithstanding the fact that this was disclosed from the beginning, right, that there was no false statement. If there had been a false statement, it wouldn't have mattered. We would have treated it the same way no matter what. This this is a a different, much more specific and and therefore, I think, much more difficult to to sort of weasel around um, where the false statement is not in connection with. The January 6th committee's investigation or, uh, you know, as sort of part of the cover up. But it is. uh, Yeah, these these assholes got together and said, we are going to take formal certifications of electors. Right. These are what we you and I have called the Denny's parking lot electors. Right. Which are you know we'll say witness you know witnesseth and i subscribe my hand and seal unto that they that they met uh, on the floor of the senate and were hereby confirmed and they didn't right they gathered together in parking lots and uh, you know decided to just forge a document that looked a lot like an elector certificate. And, uh, you know, if this, if, <laughs> if this is not charged, uh, against Trump and Eastman, uh, then, you know, there, there truly is no justice in this world because this is a knockdown.
0: And how do you tie Trump to it? Because I mean, obviously the defense is going to be no Rudy did that. Eastman did that. I had nothing to do with it.
2: So, uh, they're, they're, Two ways to do that. Um, the, the first is we have evidence right now uh, of Eastman telling Pence's lawyers, Trump told me he's behind X. Right. So in other words, a, a large part of the tranche of documents that uh, were produced in the Eastman litigation uh, goes to show that Eastman communicated with Trump, was told, yeah, go ahead. And then he used that as the basis for trying to persuade Greg Jacob and Mark Short and those folks and that those folks were like, get the fuck out of here with that. Um, And so uh, that is certainly one way in which you introduce uh, that particular form of evidence right through those documents. We know Trump doesn't have emails that doesn't put things out. He's like he's a good mob boss, right? So the other way is you ask people to make reasonable inferences, right? You say, okay, you know, the what Donald Trump is asking you to believe is that John Eastman, without the permission of the president, somehow talked to the counsel for the vice president and nobody ever said to him, hey man, you're not allowed in the building. Right. It it, you could decide that that this could all be, you know, Bart is the is the mafia boss. But um, does that does that pass the smell test? Right. You can remember that, you know, as a as a juror in a criminal case, the bar is very, very high. Right. You have to you have to believe that someone is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, but you need not have direct evidence in order to establish that guilt. Right. So
0: Eastman's email saying that he told or Trump told him that can't be seen as hearsay.
2: Yeah. Um, oh, could it be seen as hearsay for for proof of the uh, of, of the truth thereof? Um, it, it 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 absolutely would be. Uh, but for the fact that you can Almost certainly get those in under any number of hearsay exceptions. Um, right. So, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, and then a question for you also. Well, you wanted to talk about 1512, right?
2: Yes, because I think you were exceptionally prescient in discussing this last week in terms of the DOJ appealing to the D.C. Circuit, uh, the question of what counts as sufficient proof (laughs) under 18 U.S.C., 1512 C. And I expressed at the time, you know, sort of just how oddball uh, the contrary minority reading, which I, I think Uh, We're all in agreement is, uh, you know, that the D.C. Circuit is is about to reverse on just how extreme a minority view that is. And one more thing that I found that sort of supports our position is I pulled up the federal pattern jury instructions and Mm -hmm. a lot of these charges. Right. 2383 never gets charged. So there aren't pattern jury instructions for what you tell a jury to look for to prove uh rebellion or insurrection or seditious conspiracy. It just doesn't happen enough. But in cases that get tried all the time, what a pattern jury instruction is, just you know, for the benefit of our listeners, I know you know this, is these are Fixed words to explain to the jury each and every time so that it's consistent across all juries what the standards they're using to return a verdict of guilty or not guilty, right? And so here are the pattern jury instructions for 1512 C2. Super easy. You must find beyond a reasonable doubt, first, that there was a pending official proceeding, okay? There there was, right? The joint session of Congress to open and certify the electoral count. Second, that the defendant had knowledge of the pending proceeding. (laughs) All right, that's not even for Donald Trump and his stupidity. Like, we know that he knew the significance of 1-6 in that proceeding. Third, that the defendant obstructed, influenced, or impeded, or attempted to obstruct, influence, or impede the official proceeding. Okay? I... We can talk about that, but uh, that's been pretty much the entirety of the evidence that the January 6th committee has uh, compiled.
0: and he did impede it. And even if he didn't, there's an or there that he attempted to. So, uh, but it it was delayed. It was impeded. Absolutely. It was.
2: That's Mm -hmm. the definition of impedance, right? Mm -hmm. That is, there's an obstacle in your way and you have to go around it and take time. Okay. And fourth, that the defendant did so corruptly. And remember, we thought that that was going to be a challenge at the outset. One of the things that I love uh, that this executive summary does, um, and this is uh, in the uh, this begins at page seventeen and continues for what uh, five pages right through through page twenty one, is it has uh, uses the Microsoft Word divide into two columns, and has as boxes. On the left-hand side, things that trusted campaign advisors told Donald Trump, right? So let's just start with the first one. Then Deputy Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen on December 15th, 2020. Rosen testifies. And so he said, well, what about this? I saw it on the videotape. Somebody delivering a suitcase of ballots. And we said, it wasn't a suitcase. It was a bin. That's what they use when they're <laughs> counting ballots. It's benign, right? So- That's on the left-hand page, 1215. And then it says, President Trump, one week later, you know, one week later, Mm -hmm. uh, 1222. There is even security camera footage from Georgia that shows officials telling poll watchers to leave the room before pulling suitcases of ballots out from under the tables and continuing to count for hours. And there are 30 of these where the president it, the evidence, the timeline is just crystal clear. You've been told this is bullshit and then multiple days later, the president repeating said bullshit in a different form. And and, and so, yeah.
0: And this he, isn't Nancy Pelosi telling him it's bullshit. It's right. Bill Barr. It's, you know, it's yep. Hirschman. It's all of his uh, White House advisors who eventually he started to leave out of the loop. He started to, don't email them about this. We need to keep this on the down low. Yep. Because he knew they would yep. be objecting to it. So, Cipollone had to run across <laughs> yeah. the compound to get to the Oval Office for that world that one that one crazy meeting. So yeah. yeah, so that's all evidence that he knew that there was no fraud, or at least he was told a million times that there right. was no fraud and shown that there was no fraud. Right. Um, how does that work into obstructing an official proceeding?
2: So remember that fourth and that and that was it. Right. That that we went one two three. Was there a proceeding? Did he know about it? Was it obstructed? And then the only remaining element you have to prove is, was that obstruction? Did he do so corruptly? Right. And the counter argument will be that we know Donald Trump will make like the nope. I totally believed in this total fucking nonsense that no rational person could possibly believe in. And what this goes to show and what it will be up to the jury to decide is, you know, is that true or did he know? And he continued to repeat it because it was in his interest to do so, right?
0: Yeah. And I mean, if everybody and your mother and your attorney general and everybody that you appointed and everyone you hired tells you, I, don't, I can't think of another way for you to know.
2: Yeah. And this is what a good prosecutor will do, right? In their closing argument, they will say, Donald Trump's lawyer is going to get up here and repeat and say that we can't prove what goes on in his head. That, that, that's true. You can never we don't have a, you know, telepathy machine that allows us to access your inner thoughts. But you are smart people. You have taken your job here seriously. You've heard the testimony. You've seen the written reports. You've seen hundreds of examples in which these ridiculous false on their face, unbelievable nonsense claims were debunked in advance. And then the president spread them anyway. Yeah. And it is up to you to decide could he be the stupidest man alive who just also happens to repeat the things that are in his self-interest? Uh, is you... he
0: 10-second Tom
2: yeah. from 51st dates <laughs> where he
0: forgets 10 seconds after every time somebody tells him something? Yeah, uh, no. It seems pretty uh, open and shut and there's uh, that whole willful blindness argument as well.
2: Yep. And that's and that's what the prosecutor will say is I I trust you. Go back into that room. And you tell me when somebody, when something is debunked, not once, not twice, not it's a close call, but over and over and over again, and you say it anyway, you tell me whether that's corrupt or not.
0: Yeah, true. I just have two more questions for you. All right. The first one is about sentencing, because (laughs) I've seen this a few times where they don't really have sentencing guidelines for things like treason and seditious conspiracy and Insurrection. So I wanted to ask you what the sentencing guidelines for Donald Trump would be for 1512 C2, which would, I think, encompass the same sort of sentencing guidelines were he indicted and convicted for insurrection. And it might. And and, and I think because these are the same, you know, groups of crimes and actions, they would probably be able to be served concurrently. So I think we might be able to get a good idea If he's convicted, what kind of sentence he would get by looking at the sentence and guidelines for 1512
2: C2. So having done so, I will tell you without being aggressive, right, without coming for additional arguments uh, that that I'm going to list or without filing uh, what I would file in this case, which is a memorandum requesting an upward departure. Right. That says There are things that are not articulated. But if ever there was a case that's that that is going that is that is egregious by comparison, it is the sitting president of the United States behaving in this way. Take all that out. How does 70 to 87 months, that is six to seven years in prison, how does that strike you?
0: Uh, It strikes me as kind of what I thought. Um, you know, that's right around where I figured it would be. The max is 20. He, uh, oddly, doesn't have a criminal
2: past. I did. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's killing me that he's in column one. So let's so now let me explain how I got there. We've talked about this before. Uh, The way in which the U.S. sentencing guidelines work is you have a sentencing table. The columns are columns one through six, which has to do with your criminal history. Inexplicably, for a career white collar criminal, uh, Donald Trump is in the one category. That is zero or one criminal history points. Uh, and uh, in connection therewith, uh, we have uh, you go, you assign a numerical value uh, to uh, which is a base offense level uh, that is set forth in the sentence and guidelines. And then you have additional add ons and subtractions based on the conduct. So um, 15, 18 U.S.C. 1512 C2 is governed by Section 2J 1.2 of the Sentencing Manual, base level of 14. Okay, 14 in and of itself is in the highest category, Zone D. You know, you're serving time in jail. You're not going to halfway house. You're not getting probation. Uh, And then you increase uh, by eight levels if the offense involved causing or threatening to cause physical injury to a person or property damage in order to obstruct the administration of justice, yes. Uh, If the offense resulted in substantial interference with the administration of justice, you increase by three levels. And if the offense was extensive in scope planning or preparation, you increase by two levels. That gets you to 27. If you want to argue that it involved domestic terrorism, which I would 100% argue, Mm -hmm. you would add 12 more levels on top of it. That would take you to a 39 uh, which is two hundred and sixty two months in prison twenty twenty three years um I have no idea if they're gonna make that argument, but what I'm saying is at its most passive at its basic uh you were still talking six to seven years with the potential for a very very huge uh back end if uh the d o j wants to argue that this was domestic terrorism, which I think unquestionably it was, so there you go,
0: and our most eighteen u s code title fifteen etcetera's uh the obstruction you know group are they mostly run along the same lines and the reason i ask is because a totally separate crime that has nothing to do with this set of crimes that would likely be served consecutively for donald trump would be the 1519 obstruction documents case thing so is that different i mean it's the same max i'm assuming it would be the same sort of six to seven years
2: it 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 would it's applied under a slightly different section. And so, you know, you don't have the same level of escalators. So you would wind up starting at the base 14. um, And, you know, you could so you could have a three to four years as opposed to six to seven. But 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 similar.
0: And then final question for you, because Chuck Rosenberg has been very concerned all day on MSNBC about the release of transcripts and how that could help the defense. Uh, in these criminal cases that the DOJ is working on, that Jack Smith is working on, put together their defense and talk to each other and intimidate witnesses. Uh, So he's kind of hoping that what uh, the committee does is only release the transcripts that the public already has and maybe hang on to the rest pending this uh, investigation. What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I always, you know, as a journalist, I always want to get those documents. And the January 6th committee has said they intend to be Pretty forthcoming with those documents. I would point out that the footnotes to the executive summary that I have read have uh, hyperlinks to the January sixth committee page, but the documents are not yet up on that page, and so uh, that that leads me to believe that they are forthcoming in the next couple of days on that page. So uh, I would have to defer on the prosecutorial strategy of whether it helps the defense, uh, but I think that regardless of whether it does or it doesn't, that we're going to see an awful lot of these underlying documents. And that is the best Christmas present anyone could give me.
0: <laughs> Unless it fucks up the criminal investigation. Oh, well, you know, look, like yeah. it's,
2: hey, it's Christmas present. We're not talking about, you know, Christmas oh, future. Oh,
0: so. <laughs> I see, I see. And it was four ghosts. He was visited by four ghosts there that you know. night, not three All right. Well, that is the show. Again, thank you to our Hall of Famer patrons. We love you. Thanks to the rest of our patrons. Thanks to listeners. Uh, Everybody, it's been awesome. I've been Allison Gill.
2: I'm Andrew Torres. Have a happy holiday.
0: (laughs) And just a note, we are going to be off for Christmas next week, but thank you so much. We'll be back in the new year. Woohoo!